You don't even like sports. Welcome to You Don't Even Like Sports, a podcast about sports for people who don't like sports. With your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Jeff May. Hey, Jeff. Adam. I I realized something. While we no. while we weren't recording, which is that you don't, is even, it that like you don't even like sports. You don't even like sports. No, no. I said it first again, so no. I win. You don't even well, like sports. The thing is, is that you think that these are the way things. Say. It's not what it is, man. I'm sorry because you, you don't, don't even, even like, like sports. That's how uh, I said it I, first. Oh, you uh, dumb bitch! You ass! You filthy ass! You filthy unwashed <laughs> asshole! You are pure ass, Jeff. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to You Don't Even Like Sports. I'm Adam Todd Brown. I'm Jeff May. I don't know if we even said our names on the last episode. I think people get it. People should know, though. I think you should get it. We are a third of the way through our season about Diego Maradona. Yeah, we're at the Mar part. Right. When we last left off, the military regime in Argentina were acting like they own this guy. (laughs) This military junta acting like they own the place. (laughs) actually everyone around him is acting like they own him also yeah he is property and that's gonna not be great when you're a person yeah it must not feel good there's there's an interesting have you watched um have you watched the show painting with john about john lurie on i I watched one episode and i didn't like it that much i I mean i i love it and there's this one time where he's talking about fame and how hard it was for him to get rid of fame and he's like, fame is literally the hardest thing to get rid of because it sticks to you and it never lets you go. It doesn't want to let you go. It doesn't matter if you have money. That fame will just glom onto you. And the way he was describing it, it was like, it's kind of tragic. And this, you can see that this is what's happening to Maradona. Like, right. you can't get rid of this. People are going to try to take advantage of that forever. Right. People are trying to take advantage of it. And what we see later on in this episode i made a comparison last episode to britney spears and i think it still applies here because you see the same thing happening to him that eventually happens to her where people are encouraging him to be great at this thing that he's great at he's sold as this big success story he's so young and he's so great at what he does he pulled his family out of poverty and then once once that's done once he's pulled everyone out of poverty people are like you rich fuck, we hate you. Like why why are you why are you so rich now? And it's like because you were you you all show up to watch him play yeah. soccer. He brings you joy. Yeah, you you it's like saying like why is Tom Cruise rich? He just plays make believe. It's like, well, yeah. Did you see the last like Mission to, Impossible? Yeah. Did Great. you see did did you fucking see uh Edge of Tomorrow? Oh, Edge, Edge of Tomorrow. tomorrow. It's an Oblivion and Oblivion. Mm. Two weird sci-fi movies back-to-back that were fucking flawless? Get the fuck out of here. I don't know if I've seen Oblivion. Oh, Oblivion's good. Oh, I'm going to watch that today. You're going to see you some Oblivion. So, Diego Maradona, he's uh, he's thinking about leaving by this point. As he should, because we did mention previously that the military uh, basically said, we own you. He'd already been approached by a few teams about it and turned down a few offers about transferring. And among the clubs pushing to sign him was Barcelona FC, which means fuck children. Nope, 
football no, club. No, it's football club. Football club. Sorry. Football. Got club. it wrong. I thought this was the QAnon podcast. So among the people in Argentina trying to block him from going to Barcelona, everyone except his inner circle, basically his coach, fair, the Argentine Football Association, his team, other teams, soccer hooligans, ooh, the, ultras. The the government hires this group of soccer hooligans. I want to say they were called Barra Barra, and basically pays them to just be a dick about Maradona getting transferred. Like it was, like I said, it was on the last episode. It was expected whoever transferred him was also going to have to pay a human smuggler to get him out of the country. I mean, it's funny too, because when we talk about sports, which I know you don't really like that much, but yeah, you it, don't. There, there's certainly this sort of like uh, regional brand loyalty that is expected oftentimes where like, oh no, you play for us. Well, you, you stay. And there comes to be, and I think the biggest example of that was Cleveland and LeBron. Oh, yeah. Where they were just like, no, 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 we own you. And he's like, you don't. I've done a lot. I am not winning. They're not doing enough to help me win. You And I also want to go to Miami. I think that actually did a lot for sports fans and their view of team loyalty. Once Dan Gilbert put that letter out, Dan Gilbert being the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, which you don't know because you don't even like sports. He put out that letter in Comic Sans on the internet calling LeBron James a traitor Mm -hmm. and just saying, like, basically acting like he owned him. And I think a lot of people, a lot of sports fans for the first time when that happened were like, okay, maybe loyalty is not quite as important as we thought. This is how Patriots fans were allowed to process Tom Brady going to Tampa because it was not the unfathomable, awful, selfish decision that they would have called it 15 years ago. Right. They're just like, okay. Yeah, they broke. It was a breakup. He and Bill Belichick didn't get along anymore, yeah. basically. I mean, the, I will say this. A lot of Patriots fans not happy that a black quarterback came in. No way. And very happy to see that a black quarterback did not succeed in New England. They had a black backup for a while, Jacoby Brissett. They sure. should have just kept him. He was he was fine. Yeah, we always, that's, uh, the New England Patriots just had like slightly above average um, backup quarterbacks that then went on to make like $18 million a year in other teams. Right. So it's worth noting, by this point in history, Diego Maradona is loaded just financially at this point, financially and otherwise going forward. But yes. By 1982, when he was just 22 years old, he was making around $65,000 a month before bonuses. And that was in addition to income from other sources totaling around $1.5 million per year. That is in 1982 money. Right now, that's $30 billion. Yeah, yeah. You could buy Argentina with you that sure much could. money now. You sure yeah. could. So in response to getting all this money he does what rich athletes do he bought a big ass house bought a big ass house more like a palace i guess and it cost one million dollars again in 1982 money in argentina if you told me you bought a million dollar house in argentina right now i'd expect you lived in a bond villain lair the capitol building right that's what you'd be like oh you bought the capitol we've been talking about that hip-hop uncovered show that's on hulu 
Mm-hmm. Haitian Jack got deported to the D- Dominican Republic. The house he lives in where they're interviewing him. That's the kind of house I expect you live in if you spend a million dollars in South America or Central America to buy a home. I had a friend telling me about how the guys that wrote the theme to Cops, you know, like the bad boys, like they are so fucking loaded that all they do is they they have like a mountain palace in Jamaica and they just smoke weed all day. I bet they were an established band before that. And then once like once you're the bad boys, guys, that song is played always. Yeah. Like that song is always playing somewhere. You just tour the rest of your life. So in response to him buying that house, though, a newspaper in Argentina publishes an open letter to Diego where they're like, yeah, you're you're good at soccer. I guess you deserve this. But fucking remember where you came from. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Yeah. But just kind of a salty thing that's being like, don't get too big for your britches, kid, because rest of Argentina, we're still pretty poor. Uh, com- like the, the, the population does certainly like to cannibalize its darlings. Yeah. Uh, and this is another one of those Britney Spears parallels that we see. Yeah. Where he was encouraged to do this thing, encouraged to pull his family out of poverty. And once he does it, people are like, fuck you for being rich, man. Why would you do that? And like, what's he supposed to do? Yeah. When you want him to be, you know what? I'll just, we'll stay in this shithole. Yeah, I'm going to let my family die of diphtheria. (laughs) I'm going to stay in the shanty town. You fucking maniacs driving a fucking BMW living in a shanty town. You know what he should have done? He should have built a palace where the shanty town was for everybody that's there to live in. That would have been smart. People would have might not have even noticed that shit. That or they would have hated him even more. (laughs) So people start insulting him and his family just on the regular, even at matches. Basically because he's rich. and to, to be fair, eat the rich. True. But also, it's not his fault that, like, eat the rich, when we're talking sports, it's the I'm, owners. I'm, want, I'm wanting the players to eat the owners. I don't yeah. know if the players necessarily deserve to be eaten. It's not so much the millionaires as it is the billionaires. Right. And so it's kind of unfair that the country had been rallying around him for years as this national treasure and now when it all starts paying off people are like no we don't like that he even at one point this hate got so intense he issued a statement saying listen if if you don't cool it i'm gonna pack my shit and go to europe and play there which is such an interesting threat to make after the military's like you ain't going anywhere you ain't going anywhere i'll tell you what i'll put you up on the top rope (laughs) The the macho military. (laughs) So to add to all this, there's a weird thing in soccer where sometimes a player will just get loaned to another team. In most sports, you get traded and you're just on that team. Like sometimes you'll get like the the Cubs traded for Araldus Chapman. So we would have the history of domestic violence we needed to win a World Series. And then we won that World Series and immediately got rid of him again. Like that happens in sports but it's not like a planned thing where we're like yeah we'll take him for a season then you can have him back that happens yeah, in soccer the red Sox were really big on that with kurt schilling they were like we need somebody terrible that's going to get sued by the state of rhode island right eventually and then we were like oh fucking kurt schilling why not yeah those are the things that put a team over the top it's the yeah. intangibles jeff a vaguely racist 
mm-hmm. uh, piece of garbage. Yeah. Or a wife beater, any of those things. Mm-hmm. So while he's on loan from uh, to another Argentinian team called Boca Juniors, he wins a league championship with that team, goes on this tour of Europe, and then comes home expecting the same thing, where he comes home from that youth championship during the around the time of the World Cup, and everyone's like, yay, Maradona. Instead, he comes home from winning this championship with Boca Juniors, and everyone's like, the team's broke now because they had to pay you so much. And it's like, he won a championship. What do you want? Yeah, like whose decision was that? Yeah. No like one. whose decision? Like, did Boca decide to pay that much and then be like, oh, we 100% couldn't afford this? Or was it like, was was Maradona being like, oh, by the way, this is what you have to pay me? Because that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem like what would happen. Yeah, I doubt like 10 minutes before the final game, he shows up and is like, I need $150,000 to play in this game. Like it. No. You know it, what he demanded? Breakfast in bed. It, he probably demanded what he was worth. And it paid off because they won a championship. Yeah, they won. And they should maybe shut the fuck up. That's like, remember when the the Marlins beat the Yankees in like 2003 with like a tenth of their payroll? And everyone was just like, well, that's not a That was the Steve Bartman season, Jeff. Of course I remember that. Oh, you do? Well, I mean, that was also the Aaron fucking Boone season. Here's what happened to me. You got shot in the face. The Steve Bartman thing happened in 2003. Marlins scored, I believe, seven runs that inning to uh, come back and win. Cubs played the Marlins again in the playoffs this year. And in the elimination game, the Marlins scored five runs in the seventh inning. And it was the most runs they'd scored in a game since the Steve Bartman inning in the playoffs against the Cubs. That poor dude, man. Yeah, that's... We should... I mean, there's already been a thing about him. We don't need to do an episode on him because there's a 30 for 30 about him. But man, you want to see a fucking... A city hate a dude for no reason. That's the one. It's a brutal documentary. And he, yeah. to this day, refuses to have shit to do with the Cubs. I'm sure he still watches, but they've like invited him back to the stadium. And he's like, nope. Oh, fuck you. No, thanks. it's not like Buckner where it's like, oh, you know, you're a player that we're paying and you fucked up an easy move. Fuck you forever. Although that also is fucked up with Bartman. It was just like, hey, I'm just uh, here. Yeah. Like he was the only one reaching for that ball. Yeah. Don't be dicks. All right. So it wouldn't be fair for Argentina to have their government toppled by way of a coup the year I was born without also doing it the year Jeff, who doesn't even like sports, was born. So That's in not, 1981, I, I'm, I'm nice. carrying on, Jeff. Thank you. A different you don't even like sports. military junta took over, albeit this time in a bloodless coup, because Jeff is a pussy. That's not true. That, That's why I, it happened I, that I way. I was a baby, and I couldn't control this coup. That's what I'm saying. You were a stupid baby at the time. So it was a bloodless coup instead of a good one. I'd like to think that I more was a peaceful baby. So now the country's being led by General Leopoldo Galatieri, and boy, does he have some plans. Because you see, Jeff, for the longest time, Argentina has claimed ownership of Las Maldivas. Is that which, the Maldives? Probably. It's, I like, mean, I'm hearing sound? it as Las Maldivas, but like, I mean, obviously the general interpretation of that would be the Maldives. And it's like, oh, I, ha- I do know about this. Well, yeah, it's a war. There's a war that happens. There's war. a whole war. It's a war because Argentina had claimed ownership of this stretch of islands that was owned by the British, uh, a stretch of the Falkland Islands. You ever been? Yes. Yeah. Dual citizenship. Oh, nice. 
Anyway, General Galtieri decided he was going to take that shit back by force. So it was very fortuitous that the 1982 World Cup was on the horizon, thus giving the military something to distract the people with while they planned to go to war with one of the most imposing militaries in the whole world. I mean, I feel like the British were coasting at that point in time. Like they, were, they were really kind of being like, hey, remember when we did stuff like 100 years ago that was pretty intense? Remember that? Yeah. I mean, but also like, people should have remembered that. Kind of. But it's like, I don't know. It, that, that, like Britain was really strong when like tall ships were extremely the shit. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, maybe they, they were full of that that confidence, that 1980s Brit, Britain ain't shit confidence. Ooh, boy, let me tell you, cocaine. <laughs> we were all full of it in the 80s. That makes a confident fellow. So Maradona did his best to play along, but also never really made any overtly political statements or anything of the like, probably because negotiations with Barcelona were still ongoing. That shit took three years but eventually though record-setting seven million dollar transfer sent diego maradona to barcelona fc but still a world cup to play and he's playing for argentina awkward awk that world cup did not go well diego maradona played hurt he didn't play well he got kicked out of the elimination game with five minutes to go for a rough foul and Argentina did not win the 1982 World Cup. And even worse, that entire team had been subjected to nothing but Argentinian media when it comes to how the war was going. And the military who controlled the media wasn't going to be like, it's not going great. So as far as this team knew, they were winning this war that was happening. And then they all go to Spain for the World Cup where the news coverage of this war is not censored. And they're like, Oh, shit. We're getting yeah. dominated. I don't know if you know this, but uh, your white people don't have a good uh, a good background fighting Britain, if you know what I mean, in Argentina. <laughs> With the Nazis coming yeah. over. You, you get it. You know what I mean. You get yeah, it. You understand. you understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, that, that is a, that's kind of a Hitler plan right there. Just go take back the Maldives. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, you, 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 you go where you learn. <laughs> So they did eventually lose that war, too. They lose, they lose the war, the World Cup, and Diego Maradona all in the same year. Rough good, year for Argentina. Good, good. Yeah. What year was Patagonia uh, outerwear created? That, they need a win. <laughs> so the 82 World Cup also gave Diego Maradona the opportunity to get off on the totally wrong foot with the Spanish media who he would be dealing with once he was officially transferred because the World Cup took, took place in Spain that year. And one of the things he did was bring his entire inner circle to the hotel with him. Spanish media took to calling them the Maradona clan, which is probably highly offensive down there. Who knows? But he, he invites his entire inner circle, his family, extended family, friends. It's like Tyson in Japan. Right. When he fought Buster Douglas is the right. best way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. He just, he, he brings all these people and by all accounts, he's not training. He's partying every night and just generally, uh, not, not being a team player. And there was also a public rift with Pele 
around this time who Maradona fucking loved. But I mean, Pele's great. In an interview, Pele said that he loved Maradona's talent, but wasn't sure he had, quote, the sufficient greatness as a person to justify being honored by a worldwide audience. Ouch! Sorry, dude, but he's right. And that's before people knew he was taking cocaine. Honestly, like, the idea that you would love somebody based entirely on skill is the stupidest fucking thing. Like, sometimes people are bad. Right. The different, like, if you're a kid, I can see, like, you you can't be held accountable for loving Diego Maradona if you love soccer. Of course. But how, how, as a parent, would you even separate that like how how would you let your kids watch soccer which is fine to watch as long as you're not in italy because it's going to turn them into a fascist how do you separate that and also uh, make sure they don't see diego maradona's antics yeah yeah doing lines yeah he's just doing doing that center line that they have (laughs) so all of this led to a debate in the media and among fans about whether barcelona paid too much to get maradona before he even showed up. I would like to add that one of the things that isn't necessarily brought up, even though it's very important, is that contracts are oftentimes based on spectacle as much as they are performance. Um, you know, you pay LeBron that much, not necessarily because he's going to get you an extra 15 wins on average or something like that, but it's because he's going to bring in hundreds of millions of dollars in ticket sales. Like, that's really what it comes down to. These are business decisions. Right. And so this does come into that. Do you pay that much for somebody that's going to be a bad influence, but get you those wins? And Barcelona decided they would. Deal was finalized in June 1982. Big move for Maradona. Compared to the teams he'd played with previously, Barcelona FC is just a way, way bigger thing. Like, it's not like he went from the shitty Cincinnati Reds to the New York Yankees. It's like he went from a Cincinnati Reds double A team to the Yankees. Like he was he was a pro in Argentina, but now he's really a pro. It's like the Gary Sheffield move when Sheffield went to the majors at nineteen. And he oh, was yeah. like he was like, Yeah, it took you long enough. In that Jimmy Burns book, there's a really interesting quote that just displays how little I know about soccer. He describes Barcelona FC as one of the biggest sports clubs in the world. With over 110,000 paid-up members and nearly 1,000 fan clubs from Peking to Ohio. Do you have to pay to be a fan of this team? I don't understand that. I don't get it. it. Like, remember when bands used to be like, hey, join our fan club. Send us a check for $10 and we'll send you a fucking laminated backstage pass. Is it like that? My my ex-wife was... uh, Her uncle bought her a lifelong Queen fan club membership. (laughs) And then guess who died like right after that? <laughs> Your wife? Who's lifelong, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> well, that does it still go through the Adam Lambert era? I hope so. That's what's that's what you need to know. She never went to a Queen concert, the fucking liar. <laughs> nah, stolen valor. Stolen. You're a baby. You don't even know if you like them. <laughs> so Right off the bat, Maradona gets along really well with his teammates. That's never a problem. He seems to be kind of like Dennis Rodman in that way, where he's kind of chaos for management, but his teammates are like, it's fucking Maradona. What do you, what do you want? He's a professional, even though he's a bit of a mess. He's a professional. <laughs> and 
this is the point where he starts doing that Dennis Rodman thing where whenever there's criticism, he's like, how about you just pay attention to how I do when I'm playing and leave my personal life up to me? It's funny that you said doing the Dennis Rodman thing. And I was going to say Madonna, of course. Oh, yeah. Or cocaine. Or (laughs) cocaine. Or, I don't know if, or wrestling, yeah. <laughs> wrestling, <laughs> wrestling Carl the Mailman Malone on a Monday oh. night. Oh, his relationship with team management starts to deteriorate within a month of him getting to Barcelona because he pulls a muscle in his leg and refuses to be treated by the Barcelona FC medical team and instead flew in one of his alternative healing guys. He also took on his own trainer as opposed to working with a team trainer. And the fact that the trainer he brought on was just some dude that was married to a friend of his girlfriend, team didn't like that. And teams never like that. We learned they that with, with Tom Brady in his last years in New England. That well, was the, the rift. Gi- the Giants and Bonds. That was right? a, that was a, I don't know if you <laughs> followed <laughs> that news, but. Uh, Pretty big rift also, yeah. A bit of a fox in the hen house situation there. Yeah, teams usually have a philosophy on how training and things like that should work. And they expect their players to follow it. And if you don't, they at least expect the person you hire is going to be an actual doctor, which the people Maradona worked with usually were not fake doctors. It's like fake. What doctors? (laughs) Exactly. Something I didn't know, but learned recently on a professional football team, like the good kind, like we have in the United States, Mm-hmm. Strength and conditioning coach is like the number two guy on that staff. Yeah. It's head coach and then the strength and conditioning coach and then all those other fuck sticks that that's you don't deal with. That's the guy that's responsible for the bodies that are being smashed and crashed into. Now, the problem with strength and conditioning coaches is like not every soccer player needs to have the same set of skills. Right. Which I understand specialized strength and conditioning in that regard, which I think happens especially in the nfl i know that that's very common because like you can't tell me that a defensive tackle and a kicker are going to have the same dude being yeah. like well here's what you got to do yeah and the argument his doctors would make and the people around him would make is kind of what you're saying which is well he's a special player and he's got special needs that need to be tended to yeah. like Look not special head. needs yeah, I mean, he's got that we head. Got a, we got a guy for that, just the head. <laughs> just that big old potato of a head that he's got running around there. And they were right in some regards. We've already talked about how his body was just significantly different from most soccer players. So who knows? Well, it's, you know, I mean, it. Th- there are, and it's you You draw the Babe Ruth parallel, and but like you see that sometimes where you'll be like, you'll see somebody like David Wells. Yeah. Who's a really good example of like a guy that looks like a car accident being mega dominant hungover. And in the case of Maradona, argue with the results. He's one of the greatest soccer players of all time. I do think there is something to be said about that argument where it's like, well, what about the results? Like, yeah, could you imagine the results if you actually had the proper care? That's something he himself said near the end of his life in an interview. He was like, can you imagine what kind of player I would have been if I didn't take cocaine for 16 years? You know who that is very similar to is actually Ric Flair. Yeah. Because Ric Flair was like the best, one of the best conditioned athletes in the world. And he's like, and that was me consuming a 30 rack of beer every day. Imagine 
if I wasn't putting on those calories. I'd imagine Mickey Mantle is probably Oof. along those same lines because Mickey Mantle was great, but oh man, did he drink a lot. Yeah, well, that killed him. It sure did. That was that man. He, the legends of his forearms is fascinating to me. Yeah. That he had like fucking Popeye forearms. Yeah, him and Mark McGuire. Dude was a horse, like an actual horse. Yeah, but all of Mickey Mantle's was just like excess beer. Just sweating out beers. <laughs> Forming in his forearms. Beers. So yeah, bringing on an inexperienced boob for a trainer didn't sit well with management. And around this time, Maradona just generally isolates himself away from everyone except his massive MC Hammer-esque inner circle. He ends up moving himself and all of them into a literal castle in Barcelona where he essentially just walls himself off from the outside world. By this point, the Spanish media is being a dick to him. His coaches are being a dick about what doctors he wants to work with. So he's like, I'm going to show up to practice and play, and you're not going to hear shit from me otherwise. His team didn't like that either. No, no, you have to make yourself available. Right. And they're not really allowed inside his life outside of when he's in their presence practicing or playing. So everything they're hearing about what's going on with him is coming by way of like secondhand stories and none of it's good. It's all prostitutes. Part of it's good. Yeah. I mean, the parties, the prostitutes, there's an alleged collection of 250 porn videos. That seems small. That does. But like if you're going 250, go five. It was still a burgeoning industry at the time. No, that's fair. That's all of the pornos that come out at that point in time. So he, he's, he's basically walled himself off, except for all the times he goes out to party, which is constantly. Yeah, it's like he's walled off except for at night. At night when he goes and sits in clubs and drinks. Yeah, he's like a party vampire. He really is. But he still somehow shows up and plays at a high level all the time. There was one rumor, though, that his team chose to ignore, which was that Diego Maradona was doing cocaine, Jeff. In the early 80s, Adam. Remember how much of a scandal that used to be when you would hear that an athlete was taking cocaine? I mean, honestly, it made a dude's heart explode and and gutted an entire city uh, of Boston with Len Bias. That was a... That was kind of a big deal. That was really the, that was when, I think the Len Bias thing is when cocaine became like a scandal. Yeah, that, and do you remember the Stanley Wilson Super Bowl incident? Mm -hmm. It was when the Bengals of all teams were in the fucking Super Bowl, and they had this really great blocking fullback named Stanley Wilson. I think that was his name. And he, he spent the entire night before the Super Bowl smoking crack in his hotel room. He had gone to a team meeting. And was like, I forgot my notebook. I got to go back to the room. And never came back. And they found him sitting on the floor in his bathroom, shivering, high out of his mind on crack. And he couldn't play and the Bengals lost. We can't all be Lawrence Taylor. We all can't. Yeah. We all can't smoke crack and then perform <laughs> at that level. <laughs> exactly. Break, breaking dudes' legs in half because you're fucking filled with illegal Colombian energy. <laughs> Another great example. Just shattering dudes. But Maradona would later confirm that Barcelona is, in fact, where he starts doing cocaine like for the we, first time. We know. Right. Yeah, he's like, oh, we did. It's like, oh, okay, gotcha. 
And so one of the people he clashed with the most at Barcelona was his coach named Udo Latek, which that name alone, you can tell he's, he's a crazy person. One of the things Maradona especially didn't like, and it seems like this would just be the norm with sports teams, but maybe not. Udo wanted the team to practice in the morning and Diego Maradona wanted to eh, sleep till like noon and then get up and practice then. And uh, that was a, a philosophical clash that made things tense. So you'd think things would have turned around a bit when Udo Latek was replaced by Cesar Minotti, the Argentinian national team coach. He was the guy that left Maradona off the World Cup team, but they still knew each other and trusted each other. So you'd think things would improve. I also feel like you'd feel like you can get away with a little bit more if you are like the hero of that dude's country. Right. And one of those things Maradona apparently thought he could get away with was contracting viral hepatitis because that's kind of how his first season in Barcelona goes. He scores six goals in six months, which Who among us? Probably not impressive numbers. I don't fucking know. Is that good? Is that bad? I don't know. Yeah. How many games are played in six months? Yeah, it sounds like some high-scoring soccer, if you ask me. Yeah. But people didn't like that. And then he gets viral hepatitis, which kept him off the team for 12 weeks. Who among us? Yeah, who hasn't contracted viral hepatitis? Once he returns, the next season is mostly just a huge disappointment. Barcelona's not winning any championships. Maradona keeps getting injured. When that happens, the team doctors and his doctors just fight incessantly about how to handle his pain. It's like Grant Hill. Kind of. You forget how great Grant Hill was as a player. Like, all I ever imagine, all I ever think of was that guy broke his ankle every time he played basketball. But no, he put up some pretty great career numbers and played a long, long yeah, time. Yeah, who, who uh, was it? Odom? Was that the other one that kept shattering? Greg Odom, yeah. Greg Odom, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, he, he keeps getting injured, and it usually ends, this argument usually ends in his doctors injecting him with a bunch of drugs so he could play through his injuries, which that's not uncommon. This is a plot point of Varsity Blues? Yeah. It's like John Voight is injecting, this picture John Voight injecting Maradona. You want to get him out there. There was a thing that happened in the NFL this season where the Chargers, they drafted a quarterback named Justin Herbert, who turned out to be really great. I think he was Offensive Rookie of the Year. But the way he ends up finally starting a game is the starting quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, had cracked ribs and was getting an injection to numb the pain, and they punctured his fucking lung. That happens. Yeah, it happens, but he was like, all right, so I'm going to get my job back, right? <laughs> no. No, Justin Herbert's very good. And so he's Good fucked. luck, bro. Yeah. But it is funny that you would have cracked ribs, and they're like, well, time to pretend that doesn't happen, and they just inject it in there. And it's like, if he takes a, if he takes a hit with cracked ribs, if somebody Lawrence Taylors this motherfucker's chest, that's just going to send splintering bone into those organs. Yeah, because I always think of cracked ribs as the kind of thing where, shit, I don't even want to laugh. I don't want any, I don't want to breathe too hard. Yeah. If I have cracked ribs, much less play fucking football. So he, all of this culminates in a game against Manchester United. That's a name I've heard. I've heard that. I've heard that team. Yeah. Oasis was probably there. And Maradona before this game is given so many pain killing injections that yes, his pain goes away 
and he is physically able to perform, but he's also high out of his mind, baby, and has to be pulled from the game because he cannot kick a ball straight. And when he's pulled, instead of walking to the sideline, he just walks straight into the tunnel and onto the dressing room where he began sobbing and demanding that his manager set up another transfer. And that's fine. It does end up being fine because, as it turns out, Diego Maradona was in massive financial trouble. It's the MC Hammer principle again. He's making a ton of money, but it's not being invested well. He's spending a lot on the people around him. And most importantly, he's spending a shit ton of money on drugs, alcohol, clothes, jewelry, and prostitutes, which is all fine. But you can't spend your money on that and your family. You have to make you have to choose one or the other, and you're obviously going to choose the drugs and alcohol. So you got to kick the family out. And he failed to do that. I couldn't imagine being super wealthy and just all of a sudden getting into jewelry. That'd now, be the one thing where I'm not. I'm like, no, I'm I'm good. They'd be like, don't you want this ring? And I'd be like, I don't want anything on my hand. No, that's weird. Yeah, don't you want a simple mugging to turn into someone cutting your finger off? Yeah. Like, don't you yeah. want to make yourself a target in public? Yeah, don't you want to get don't you want to get shot at the source awards? <laughs> we're, we're fucking death row chain <laughs> when you're playing fucking soccer <laughs> in the 80s. What's death row? It'll be something big in 10 years. Don't worry. You'll find it. You'll find out. Getting in on the ground floor. <laughs> so, he needs a huge influx of cash to stay afloat basically, and that's only going to happen with another transfer. And Barcelona knew all this, and they hated it. Because, sure, they'd love to get rid of this guy, too. He's being a real nuisance. But also, at this point, doing that would be kind of like admitting they fucked up in signing him in the first place. And that's been the debate the whole time, is, should you have done this? Should you have paid all this money to get Maradona? I feel like when you're an entire team, though, you can be like, whoops. Whereas opposed to like one person admitting they made a mistake is so much harder. Because it's all yeah. on you. But when it's a team decision, it's like, hey, man, we all thought this was going to work out. And like, in theory, it should have. It should have. You're taking somebody from a essentially like softly war-torn country. You're bringing him to a place where he can do his best. But you don't, you're not going to know that he's going to be kind of a huge piece of shit. Yeah, because there wasn't a lot of that when he was playing in Argentina, yeah. at least yeah. not from the stuff I've read so far. It seems like it really, here's the thing. I'm going to go out on a limb and make a connection here, as they would say in Espanol. Do you think it might be the cocaine that I'm, made him start acting out? I'm going to actually say it's probably the money. And I feel like the cocaine is a tasty, tasty byproduct. Yeah. Of that I because, mean, the money makes the cocaine easier well, to get. And the money also creates that stress. Like it is, you know, to uh, to quote Mace, uh, "Mo money, mo problems." Sure, right? That Mace was on that one, right? Mace was on that. Yeah, so. Mace, Puff Daddy, and Notorious and Big. The, Rest in peace, all the three of you. Dollars. Oh, no, poor, I'm joking. Only one of them is dead. Poor Pastor Mace. <laughs> He tried to make a comeback. He tried. <laughs> like, you like Jesus now. Remember, Get when he, out of here. remember when he deleted his Instagram because they found out that all of his followers were fake? Yeah. Poor Mace. Poor Mace. Mace Adana. Anyway, so uh, Maradona, by the way, he ends up uh, doing something classic. He ends up setting a few trends in his career, and this is one of them. He becomes what might be the first player to do a thing that's super duper common now, which is 
force a trade. And if you don't know what that means, if you're someone like Jeff who doesn't like sports. That's not what that means. That essentially just means you are intentionally so much of an asshole off the field that the team you play for just gets rid of you to be done with the hassle. We call that the Carl Everett principle. Who's Carl Everett? Carl Everett, he was a uh, journeyman baseball player that uh, didn't believe dinosaurs existed and used to fight (laughs) everybody that he would. He was a very ripped dude in baseball that would just fight, just fight his team. Where's our season about that guy? We might want to have one. Sounds sounds amazing. This is this is a thing that's really common now. The most recent example, James Harden, who played for the Houston Rockets. When this season started, he decided he didn't want to play for Houston anymore. And he's one of the best players in basketball, so they weren't just going to trade him. So he started, he shows up to training camp fat, which how? As a basketball player who was in great shape in December when the NBA bubble ended, or no, I think it was closer to September when the NBA bubble ended, and then you show up in December and now you're fat? Like, he had to party really hard to pack all those pounds on, and when he was partying, he would take pictures of himself clearly violating COVID protocols. And eventually the team was like, all right, we'll trade you to the Brooklyn Nets, and now he's probably going to win a championship yeah, good with for the him. Brooklyn Nets. And Maradona did that too to try and force Barcelona's hand. One of the things he does is he goes in an interview and calls Catalan people sons of bitches in an interview. In in the eighties, that's like saying like the f word a whole bunch. Yeah, if you're like that's still those are still tensions that are brewing to this day. Catalonia was trying to get independence like a year ago, I think. So uh, that was that was controversy the team didn't want to deal with. His manager also starts leaking details of his transfer negotiations with two Italian teams to the media. And then the final straw comes when Barcelona plays Atletico de Bilbao in the final of the King's Cup in Madrid. And this is a team that was one of their biggest rivals and their games were always dirty as shit. They would like intentionally try to injure each other. Fuck yeah. And there's all this back and forth between Maradona and this uh, this team before the game. He's talking all this shit. And at the game, while the entire nation watched on television, they're playing in Spain, while the Spanish royal family looked on from the stands, which were packed with more than 100,000 people, Maradona and Barcelona fucking blew it. They lost one to nothing on a goal scored in the 13th minute of the game. That sounds so that like means, soccer. Yeah, that means there was another 77 excruciating. Yeah. No, Plus injury time. 87 minutes of excru Because it's 90 minutes, isn't it? Yeah, so that would be 77 minutes. You were right the okay. first time. Yeah, 77 minutes. God, that'd be a long time to watch people just running back and forth. But That's soccer, that, baby! That is Football. soccer. And so at the end of the game, it's not bad enough that they lost, but also Diego Maradona punched a motherfucker in the face. Now Whoa. that's, for me, that's like, all right. Now we got a game. <laughs> this sets off a massive brawl, all while Spain's King Juan Carlos is sitting in the stands, horrified at what is happening on the field in front of him. And you got to consider Barcelona, like, they're a very prestigious team that just wants to start winning again. 
so they can feel like they deserve that prestige. And they really thought this was going to work out. And damn, is it not working out? No, 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 no. But at least another dude got punched. That's true. That's true. A lot of cocaine and castles. You got to see that fight. So with that performance, all sides agreed it was time for Maradona to move on. Here's a unique detail of this process that is completely antithetical to what we see today. The choice of where he was going to transfer to came down to two Italian teams, Naples and Juventus. Juventus. Juventus? I think it's Juventus. Juventus? Yeah. Of the two, Juventus presented the most immediate opportunity to win. So, of course, Maradona chose Naples because it presented what? Their pizza. I mean, yeah, that. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But also, it presented a better professional challenge. They weren't uh, as as much of a team on the rise as Juventus. So he was like, that'll be harder to help them win. Real quick, Diego, um, maybe now's not the time for you to be like, I think I need a better professional challenge because you just blew it in Spain. Maybe you need to kind of be a little higher on the list real quick. That's what's so impressive about it to me, because no one does this now. Any like any time a, a player is getting transferred, like especially the NBA players are trying to build super teams. I feel like Tom Brady kind of built a super team when he won the no, Super Bowl in Tampa oh, Bay when, this when year. When he called his abominable snowman of a buddy over to be like, hey, you want to come out of retirement to party with me in Tampa? And Antonio Brown. There it is. Yeah. So uh, that's more what happens now as players go to where they think they can win a championship. Maradona did the exact opposite. He was like, it's going to be harder to win in Naples. I'm going to go there. And here's the thing. Very successful in Naples. Italy, it seems like from everything I've taken in so far, are like the Maradona golden years. It's a spicy football. He's uh, winning a spicy championship. Ah, Gramazza. You're going to win the games, huh? Maradona. It's a Maradona. Also that name, very Italian sounding. It is. It really rolls off the Italian tongue, I bet. But before we talk about his transfer to and his time in Italy, on the next episode, we're talking about one of the most memorable and infamous moments in Diego Maradona history, the 1986 World Cup and the Hand of God goal. And I got to tell you, if one of your infamous incidents is actually on the pitch, that's weird. Because he's got a lot of infamous incidents. Yeah. This one is crazy, though. It's, yep. it's a very, very interesting play. What's, what's wild about this game is without giving too much away, if you're not familiar with Diego Maradona's story, he kind of cheats to win a World Cup. He doesn't kind of cheat. He super duper cheats. Whether or not he gets a, you know, it's a purposeful thing. It is a... You know, because what I think a lot we'll, we'll talk about it later, but because like a lot of people, the debate of whether it was instinct versus decision and stuff like that. Right. But either way, it was <laughs> it sure was not something that is legal. Blatant violation of the rules. Sure, 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 sure. And what's really interesting about it is in that same game, he scores another goal that even people on the team that lost, they're like, yeah, but that other goal, though, and I watched a replay of it, and it's one of the first times where I've been like, oh, oh, yeah, I get it. Like, look at that. Seeing like, c- cool shit happen on the on the soccer pitch, you're like, is this what y'all are watching 90 minutes of nothing for? That one thing? Because that is impressive, but I will see it on SportsCenter. Yeah, it 
kind of reminded me of when a running back in the NFL will score a really impressive touchdown. But the thing is, in the NFL, that happens a lot. Like, like you see, you see impressive plays that score points all the time, and in soccer, oof. But you know, you know what it is in like the highlights in NFL stuff is not necessarily like just every touchdown, but it's like, and here is where a running back literally jumped over a tackler, right? And you're like, see that? Now that's a tremendous display of athleticism. Yeah, with with this other goal he scores in the '86 World Cup. If you haven't seen it, you'll get it when you see it like yeah. the way because it's not just that he he shakes like five defenders but y- you got to do that while you're controlling a ball with your feet you're and I, if you've yeah. ever been chasing a ball and inadvertently stepped on it while you were chasing it that is a catastrophic situation well he made a move out of that there's yeah. literally a move called the maradona that is about putting your foot on top of the ball and using the controlling motions it's it's fucking hard it's very hard. And it's like watching that goal was the first time in, in any of this research where I was like, oh, yeah, look at that. Yeah, that's, that's something. crazy. Imagine, so, imagine if you were working out while this was happening. Yeah. Imagine if you weren't high on Coke. Maybe he wouldn't have scored yeah, the goal if he yeah, wasn't man. high on Coke. That's what you want to do. You want to enter a, uh, you want to do run a marathon, smoke some crack cocaine right before that. Getting that good mafia Coke, too. In yeah. Italy. You're going to either you know, win in world record time or your heart will explode within the first eight steps. And don't worry, the mafia does come up in the Italy episode when we get to it. You kind of have an Italia without the mafia, huh? (laughs) But yeah, next we're talking about the hand of God goal and the 1986 World Cup, which took place in Mexico. And until then, uh, do we have anything to plug? Jeff, yeah. the, the the further reading and watching for this episode is the same as the last no. one. Next uh, week we're getting off into some some specific books about specific moments. Very specific. Adam, don't flip me off. It's rude. I'm flipping you off. Uh, every Wednesday, Tom and Jeff watch Batman is available on the Gamefully Unemployed Network. And also, I would like to plug that Adam doesn't even like sports. That's not true. It is true. It is true. I. Uh, this podcast is about how you don't even like sports. No, that's not what it's about. And if you want bonus episodes of this podcast, you should head to patreon.com slash unpops or unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech. Stop it, Jeff. I will not. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Jeff, say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. We, I mean, yeah.